I sent my oldest son off to a youth retreat this weekend. He was hours away. And like at any time when I'm not with him, I really missed him. But with that great distance and for those several days, I was really feeling the disconnect. I'm so glad that he had his gab phone along. I was able to send him a quick text each evening to ask about his day and to tell him that I was praying for him. Have you heard of these things? The gab phones? That's gab, G-A-B-B. They look and feel a lot like a smartphone, but they aren't connected to the internet in any way. A user can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's about it. With the Gab phone, I had peace of mind knowing that I could get a hold of my son all weekend, but that he didn't have access to the internet. And most importantly, the internet didn't have access to him. He wasn't scrolling social media or being sent shady photos from total strangers. He wasn't wasting time playing video games or being taken advantage of by cyber stalkers. If you too are interested in purchasing a regular cell phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can grab 30% off a Gab phone or a Gab watch right now. Head to GabWireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's capital letters. M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M. So once again, go to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom Welcome to the mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. I met a woman recently who had deleted all of her social media accounts a couple of years ago. And as we were chatting, I asked her why she chose to do a complete digital purge and and maybe how it had affected her life. She works in the health field and said that she came out into the waiting room of her office one day only to find a sea of faces staring at screens. Everyone had their necks craned down at their phones. Moms were interacting with their phones and not their kids. Spouses weren't chatting. Strangers weren't making small talk with other strangers. And she said she didn't want that for her own life. I wanted to be available for my real life relationships, I remember her mentioning. And she felt like the clearest path forward was to delete her social media accounts altogether. And when I later went on to ask her how the decision had changed her daily life, I remember she used words like quiet and refreshing. She did admit that at times she felt kind of out of the loop in certain social circles because so many um, personal announcements are given on Facebook and places like Instagram. But she did say when the news is important enough, people always found a way to find her. It might take an extra step, but it's still pretty easy to send a text or an email she mentioned. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm still revisiting her words and contemplating that leap myself, especially in our current culture. 
So I'm thrilled to have Wendy speak with us today. Wendy, along with her husband, Matt, homeschools her three boys in sunny Southern California. She's a trained Hollywood actress who now spends most of her time writing and speaking on faith and family. I'm actually currently reading a book that she co-authored, Triggers, right now, but I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on her latest new release. It's a follow-up to her 40-day sugar fast, and it's called The 40-Day Social Media Fast. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. That was a fun introduction. It was neat to hear that, that story. Goodness, I can't wait to dive into talking about that with y'all today. So I'm wondering, Wendy, as we get started this morning, what was the impetus behind this idea of a social media fast? There has to be a, a personal story there, I'm sure. There is. And I'm so glad you mentioned that you're right now reading Triggers. We're not here to talk about Triggers, but that actually is the start of the story. It was in a small Facebook group. I shouldn't say small. I mean, it was thousands of people, specifically for moms struggling with angry, emotional, reactionary parenting. Um, you know, their child melted down, so they'd melt down. They'd whine and complain, so the mom would whine and complain. Um, child would yell and slam a door, so they would yell and slam a door. And one day in this group, I asked the women, the moms, what are your triggers? And there was no explanation of what a trigger was. They just started pouring out their triggers. Why can't they get their shoes on and get in the car? And um, my husband's traveling and I thought I was going to have more help and the constant bickering and sibling rivalry and rolling of eyes, haughty eyes and disrespect and, 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 and my writing partner in that group, Amber Leah, the next day she said, we're not here to help you get your kids to behave so that you don't have to get angry. Instead, let's focus on what's going on in your heart. What does God's word have to say about it? And that's how we started this conversation on triggers, which became the book Triggers exchanging parents' angry reactions for gentle biblical responses. But it was in that same group to those moms that I one day, very flippantly, almost as you know, casually as I said, what are your triggers? I said, what would happen if we, if we said no to sugar for 40 days? I know this seems like a long story, but I'm gonna get to the social media fast here in just a moment. What would happen emotionally? Would we be able to be more calm? more kind, more consistent, even more Christ-like, love all those alliterations, if we weren't running to our pantries or to the freezer to, you know, binge on sugar just to get us through another hard day. And um, what we found during that first sugar fast was when our kids did wrong, we were more calm and able to do right. When they did wrong, we said, wow, that's wrong. How can I help you do right? Because we weren't doing that emotional high and then crashing down the sugar crash afterwards. It really affected us. But I said, let's not make this a physical detox. Let's make it a spiritual fast. Instead of running from sugar high to sugar high, let's run to the most high. And we learned that that's what fasting is really all about. So I said, so what else are you running to instead of running to the most high? It's not just sugar. And in mass, the response was my phone. My kids do wrong. I'm stressed out. I'm wiped out. And I hide behind my phone. I self-medicate with my phone. I go to the bathroom and come out 15 minutes later, scrolling with my thumb. And because I'm going to my phone to deal with my stress, I'm not returning to my children more able to handle stress because it's not my phone's job. God said, when you're weary and stressed out and heavy laden, you come to me and I'll give you the rest for your soul that you need. And that's going to transform 
everything. So your question was why? And my answer is because I was talking to moms and this crazy one book led to another, led to another, but it's really been at the, at the root of it for moms. Hmm. I love the idea that um, what, you know, that question that you posed, what are we going to self-medicate ourselves? And the phone really is an easy go-to because let's face it, it's always with us. It's really easy and quick to, you know, punch a button and get a lot of things like affirmation, immediate gratification, all the things, you know, science has shown that it increases our dopamine levels and our, um, all our hormone levels increase when we hear that little ping of notifications. So it is an easy fix and it stands to reason that when we have, you know, a two minute break, a two minute lull in our day that we run to that instead of running to the most high God. Yeah, but it is possible that all the people that we're following online are getting between us and the one who said, follow me. And then they're getting between us and the people that he's blessed us with. So I often say it's possible that if we follow all the sheep, (laughs) we lose sight of the shepherd. Mm -hmm. And if we're not following the shepherd, how do we lead our little sheep to know him and love him? So yes, let's stop medicating, self-medicating, and let's let's really turn our attention. If that's a broken heart and and stress about finances and our kids' education and all the things that can stress us out, instead of going to self-medicate, let's turn to the great physician. Instead of turning to comfort foods, let's turn to the comforter. Instead of going to sugar high to sugar high, let's turn to the most high. So, I mean, these are catchy phrases to say, but at the root of it, are we following? Are we, are we accepting that invitation? Come to me, or are we turning to something else? Mm. What were you expecting or maybe hoping to accomplish with your personal fast? Or even as you launched this idea out into the world, what were you hoping that other women would accomplish in this time? Mm. You know, it's funny that you said accomplish. Um, don't you ever feel unaccomplished? because you're just so maxed out. You don't have the time to do things. And one of the main, I'll I'll give you three things. How about this? The first is you get so much more of your life back. I'm talking minutes and hours to connect and remember to thaw the meat before, you know, half an hour before dinner and, and to clean out that front closet that every time your husband comes home and puts his coat away, you hear him sigh like, ugh when he opens up that messy front closet and you would get to it if you had more time, except you don't have more time. So what could you accomplish if we gave you two hours more to your day to just get things done? What relationships could you invest in? Um, You have a friend that reaches out and says, Hey, you want to meet up for a cup of tea? Oh, I'd love to, but my goodness, I have so much on my plate today. I can't accomplish time with a friend because I'm spending so much time with these quote unquote friends, I'm not really investing in my real life friendships. So all these things that you can accomplish. Um, And of course, the first one is, I'd love to spend more time with God and his word. And my prayer life is kind of like non-existent, you know, the whole pray without ceasing. What does that even mean? Like, that's so unrealistic. I'm so busy. And yet there's this sort of like being online without ceasing, isn't there? Converse with others without ceasing. So what would you be able to accomplish? I just love that one word you said, Jamie, accomplish. What do you hope to accomplish? Guys, whatever you're too busy to accomplish, I want to suggest you just might be able to accomplish it 
if you would set down your phone, close down your laptop and delete your apps for 40 days and just try it for yourself. Now, the second thing, what did you hope to accomplish, Wendy? Well, since I'm talking to a bunch of moms, I'll tell you this. I get messages from moms and they say things, specifically one woman, Sarah was her name. She sent me a message and she said, Wendy, my kids saw my face so much more these 40 days. And I saw their faces and what's more, I enjoyed them more. And I wrote back and I said, Sarah, is it possible that you enjoyed them more because they were more enjoyable? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, you know, our children need our attention. But if they don't have our attention, they have learned how to negatively behave to get our attention because negative attention is still attention. It still touches that deep, deep place. Is it possible because they had your intention, your intentionality to be present? They didn't need to get your attention and they were more enjoyable. So that's what do you hope to accomplish? Moms, I hope that you enjoy your kids. I hope that they are more enjoyable. I hope that you model a healthy uh, relationship with your own screens as they see you not behind your screen so that you don't have to be so angry at them when they are melting down over more screen time themselves. And then the third thing, oh, I'm talking too long. I hope that this is good though. Um, the third thing is when we do the sugar fast, I'm talking strongholds fall from people's lives. People come to faith in a radical way when we do the sugar fast. It's just testimony after testimony of people coming to faith, growing in faith, sharing their faith. I mean, it's just, it's really a, a radical 40 days. But I've been praying for this one. What do you hope to accomplish? Was the question again. Instead of God doing a mighty work in people's lives, I'm praying for this one, that God does a mighty work through people's lives. Uh, can you imagine not being so distracted? Who you would see, how you would see the needs right there in your home, how you would see needs around you at the grocery store. What if you weren't so distracted and you lifted your eyes and you lifted your face and you saw where God was at work in your, your immediate life and you said, God, I want to join you there. And what if people come to faith because you are available and they grow in faith because you are not so stinking distracted all the time. What if you growing in devotion and not distraction would lead to them growing in devotion to God and their real life people? Oh, there's so much that I hope is accomplished through these 40 days. That's so convicting. I was talking to a friend recently. We were chatting about this um, growing trend in young motherhood of needing a mother's helper. My daughter, she's 16. She's been a mother's helper to several different moms. And I remember back when I was in, in the throes of babies and toddlers. And while I'll have to admit a mother's helper would have been grand. Yeah. I didn't no have shame. that opportunity. No <laughs> yeah. But so she and I were talking and talking about what the impetus for mother's helper why that trend has grown recently. And we were tossing around ideas. And she said, Jamie, I don't necessarily think it's a matter of women lacking time. It's sometimes a matter of how they're using time. And she said, I can point to social media as a big time suck in my own life. 
And it's not that I don't have time to be with my children. It's that I'm prioritizing my time in other ways. And I, I just wonder if, if we had less time spent on social media, like you said, how much more time would we have available to invest in the things that matter the most that are right in front of us? And that's true right in front of us. Yes. But I also want to affirm the mom who needs a break. Mm -hmm. And if you need a break, when you turn to social media, as I mentioned before, to get that break, if you come to it because you're weary and heavy laden, it's not social media's job to help you return to your family more able to cope with real life stress. But when you turn to the Lord or other healthy things for your body and your mind and your spirit, uh, you know, we're really good at exercising our thumbs, but have you stopped exercising your body? Is it possible if you stopped scrolling that you would start strolling again? Wouldn't that be incredible if you said during these 40 days, I'm going to stop scrolling. I'm going to start strolling. I'm going to stop moving my body. And as I walk, I'm going to talk in my talking putty and my walking buddy is going to be the Lord or a woman that lives on the block with me where we can encourage each other. How would I come back to my family refreshed and more available because I did that for 45 minutes rather than sat on my bottom on my unmade bed, scrolling through other people's real lives and then coming back to my unmade bed real life with the kids needing my attention. Ladies, I don't know about you, but every Sunday, my phone, it's always during church and that cracks me up. It's so God. But every Sunday, my phone will tell me exactly how many minutes I spent, or it gives me an average of every day you spent approximately two hours and 47 minutes on your phone each day. And most of that is social media, not all of it, because sometimes you're texting or whatever. And I think, hmm, just talking about this, if I took that two hours and 47 minutes and I wasn't on my phone that amount of time, what would I be doing? You know, for, now for me, I don't have kids at home. I don't, but for the mom that has small children, imagine if she was spending that time pressing into them, prioritizing her children. What has always driven me crazy, Mike and I will go out to dinner and we'll see the family having a nice dinner around the table and all of them are on their phone. All the moms and the teenagers, they're all on their phone. I think they could be talking. They could be engaging with one another, but they're all on their phone. Or remember when you used to stand in lines back in the day when nobody had cell phones and you'd actually talk to the people in line in front of you or behind you. And I can still do that because I'm, I'm not so connected to my phone that, that I have to take it out of my purse and be on it all the time. I can still be in a line and talk to the people, but you go to talk to them and they're on their phones. So it frustrates me to no end. But I think if, if this would be such a great opportunity to do that, to put our phones away, to stop being on them all the time where we could begin just to engage with the culture around us. Because you're right, Wendy, imagine the people that we could suddenly talk to in the grocery store. You know, hopefully this will become a movement where enough people do it, where we, we can impact enough people to say, let's do this. Let's take this on as moms. Let's get a generation to do this, to say enough. We've had enough with this. Let's give it a try, you know? Yes, Kate. You know, I, I had this dream of writing a book called Grocery Stories. <laughs> I, I think it. It, I know. I think that's quite funny myself. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> no, I love uh, it. I think it's great. <laughs> I love 
talking but they're all this they're they're gospel interactions when we live lives with our eyes up our heads up and our hearts available to what god's doing in the world around us and ultimately through us if we are his ambassadors into the world we say yes but i use my phone i use social media to be his ambassador well that's wonderful that's wonderful do it however if it stops you from the flesh and blood face to face if, if all of your time is on Facebook and your face isn't in the good book and you don't lift your face, face-to-face interactions, then Facebook is not. I mean, that cannot be your main and only ministry. So in my, in my, you know, my book, Grocery Stories, it's just going to be stories of interacting with people because I was available. Like the, like the time I, I was putting my groceries in the car and I looked over and I saw, um, an older woman hunched over her steering wheel with her shoulders shaking. I was available. I was looking. I was not trying to balance my groceries on my hip and my phone in my other hand. And I knocked on her door and I said, can I pray for you? And she let me in her car and I sat there and she told me that her husband had passed away about a year ago and going to the grocery. I mean, it makes me want to cry. Even when I tell the story, going to the grocery store to shop for one person was a trigger for her for grief. And we prayed together. And then there was a time I was at the deli counter and the woman in front of me was ordering um, turkey, sliced turkey and a side of cranberry sauce for one person. This was December 23rd. And I invited her to join us for church and our Christmas Eve service the next day. Have have a meal with us. And, um, and then there was the time I was at that same counter and I was ordering salmon And I had been crying in the car because parenting was so hard. And I was at the, just in the worst part of postpartum depression. And um, the the man behind the counter hadn't looked at me or he would have told my face was a, you know, a a puffy, nasty, snotty mess. Um, But he looked up and sort of half looked at me and said, so how's your day? And I said, actually, Paul, his name tag said, hi, my name is Paul. Um, Actually, Paul, my, my day has been really hard. Um, it's been a bad day, <laughs> but it's just another chance to trust God more. And he started crying. I kid you not. I'm talking projectile tears as he wrapped up my salmon. And he said to me, do you think that's what the hard days are for? And I said, yes, I do. And I share these stories to not say, look at me, what a good you know, gospel sharer I am, but to say our phones have become a barrier between us and others. And God said, you follow me, you love me, and you love others. The second commandment is so close to the first. Because you love me, you love others. And yet here we are with our with our phones, our screens between us and God and us and our husbands and our us and our children and us and strangers and our neighbors. And so let's put them down and say, what happens? What happens for 40 days? Are we sleeping better because the blue lights that inhibit our our melatonin development, actually our our melatonin is now coming back up. We're less dependent on our screens to give us that dopamine feel good release. How do we feel? How are we sleeping? What are the physical, physiological benefits? But what's going on in our relationships? Instead of looking to the world to say, do you like me? do Do you love me? Do you approve of me? We start looking to God's word and we find that his word says he approved us through Christ. 
We are approved because of that. And when we spend more time living in that knowledge that we are approved, we stop seeking the approval of others and we live approved and we get to share why we're approved with our kids and with our neighbors and with all those maybe that we interact with online instead of seeking them for the wrong reasons. We're seeking the one who said, you seek me, you'll find me and that'll change everything. Amen. Wow. I think we can just end the podcast right there. That's so convicting. <laughs> let's keep going. Thank you so much. Yes. Let's. <laughs> let's keep going. This is too good. Well, um, when you took 40 days off social media, you took it off your phone, essentially your life. Did you replace it with anything? I mean, what did your fast include? What did you add back in? You know, we're, we're calling this a social media fast, but you know, we could have called it a phone fast or a screen fast. I think that social media is a really good first step. If you look at those minutes of how many minutes you spend on your phone on Sunday or every night or whatever, you take a look at it, you'll see that it's, it's blocked off with games and um, social media includes texting. And But are you going to Amazon Prime every time you've got not an empty shelf, but an empty self. Like, are you filling the holes with things other than social media? And so I, I, I heard your question, Kate, and I'll get okay. to that answer of how do we make that transition back in. But I think that it's important to recognize that it's not just social media. For a lot of people, they'll say it's the constant connecting on email. Like I can never put down work because work goes with me all the time. And so even at the beginning of this, try to figure out what your temptations are and say, it's not just social media, God. You never asked for a, a social media sacrifice. You asked for a living sacrifice. So what is it I'm going to that's getting between me and living this life following you and you can have it all. And maybe it's LinkedIn and maybe it's Amazon prime and maybe it's streaming videos and maybe it's Pinterest. And so it's not just, it's not just Facebook. It's not just Instagram. So as you get to the end of your fast and you say, okay, day 41 is coming. First of all, I need to tell you this book is broken down into 40 devotionals so that you are turning to him his word, time and prayer, in lieu of turning to social media, you're getting social with him. But I didn't stop on day 40. There's actually a day 41 because I want to communicate a break is good. And I'm not saying you need a breakup, but I am saying that the goal of fasting isn't actually the fasting. It's not really about the thing you're setting down. It's more about feasting. The goal of fasting is feasting. You're going to stop consuming this, whether it's food, sugar, or, or consume, consume, consume what everyone's saying online, even your news, right? Consume, consume, consume everything on the screen so that you might feast on him. So if you're fasting from the news, Feast on the good news. If you're fasting from Facebook, get face to face with him. So as we hit for day 41, I actually put another chapter there to say the fast may be through. It may be over, but the feast shouldn't be. And if you forget to feast again, fast again in order to remember, because the goal is the feasting. So as you hit day 41, remember, keep on feasting, but also be aware of what are those what are those things that tempt me away? What are the boundaries that I need? 
to set. And so here's one of my boundaries. It's been a boundary in our house for years. The word before the world. Open the word before you open yourself up to the world. Open the word before you open the world wide web. Um, and if you say, that is what I'm doing, because God said, seek me first, my kingdom, my righteousness, all the other things you need in this day and in this life will be added unto you through the, through the sieve of my plan for your life today, right? But come to me first. So the word before the world, and I've even got a sign hanging by the phone charging station so that my kids are reminded when they go to pick up a, a screen, wait, the word before the world, did I spend time in the word today? Another one, it sounds like I'm telling you the same thing, but I want you to really listen to the difference here. I think moms are good at saying, even to dad, hey, let's keep our phones put away between dinner time and bedtime. Let's try to just really be available, right? So I want to go the next step and say, instead of choosing when you're going to put your phone down, choose carefully when you're going to pick your phone up. Instead of saying, I live my life connected, but I'm going to put it down in order to connect with my children or the Lord. Instead of that, say, I live my life connected to the Lord in the real life, flesh and blood people in my home. However, I take breaks to see if anyone else was trying to get a hold of me via email or, you know, shoot me a message or I need to check in with that Facebook group because that's where our, our co-op communicates and, and my Bible study, you know, this is everyone's sharing the, the Bible verse they're memorizing. And so there are things you can do that I'm not saying are bad, but keep it put away all the time, mm -hmm. except for the times you pick it up, rather than saying, I'm going to have it up all the time, except for those intentional moments where I'm going to connect with God and my family. That's a great switch up. Yeah. Isn't that, that makes huge? It, that, that, it's a yeah, game changer. Totally. I love that. So I'm going to say something that sounds like I'm pushing back to what you're saying, Wendy, and you can, and you can feel free to totally correct me, but I just want to throw this out there for moms who are listening who might be in a similar situation to um, me or others who work online in an online space. So I do have to do quite a lot of work on social media because that's part of my job. That's how I um, make an income or a living for my family. And I have intentionally chosen not to start my morning with devotions, but instead to start that time doing my online work because my kids aren't up at that time. So from like seven to eight before they get up, that's when I am able to schedule social media and do some things for my online work because I want them to see me in the word. And if I start my day at seven in the word and they don't get up till eight, they'll find me on my screen instead. And so I, it does, it does require some very purposeful boundaries that I have to put in place that, you know, at eight o'clock, I might not be done with my work, but I have to be done with my work because now my children are coming down and I want them to see me with my, my Bible open. I want them to hear me praying, calling out to God, setting that example. And obviously I don't do those things in order that they would see me do those things. But I want that to be the natural byproduct of choosing a later time in the word so that I'm modeling that for my kids. Yes, I think that's beautiful. You know, neither uh, neither the sugar fast nor the social media fast has a how-to. Um, actually, for the first like seven years of leading the sugar fast, I always felt that people were going to be upset at me that I didn't give them a to-do or to-don't list, to-eat or to-not-eat list. 
I said, this is a fast. You take the details to the Lord. This is between you and the Lord. I mean, we might do it as a community each January and, and it might be a community fast, but fasting is so intimately private between you and the Lord. Um, and so I don't have any legalized ideas of right and wrong about how you should or shouldn't open the word if you're reading through it or if you're taking um, one scripture at a time and applying it to your life. Like, I'm not going to tell you how or when to be in the word, but I will tell you that um, for me, seeking the Lord first sets a pace and a heart condition that is right for the rest of everything else on my to-do list for the day. And so I think it's wonderful that you want your kids to see you in the word. I say, save some of the time in the word for being in the word in front of your kids or with your kids. Uh, I don't think it has to be an either, or I think it can be a, all right, Lord, uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going through the Psalms right now, first thing in the morning. I'm just going to read a Psalm and praise you. And now I'm going to get some work done. I'll talk to you in another 45 minutes or an hour or two hours. I love you, Lord. Let's start this day off right together. You know, so I think that you can do you and still seek him first. I also think it's possible that the Lord knows that, that you are loving him and eager to be with him in a way and a time that works best for your family. So I don't think that there's a, um, you know, that there's a, a, an only way to do this, but um, I do know that I used to wake up and I'd reach over and I'd grab my Bible. And that was how I started my days. And then I started reading the Bible on my Bible app. And so I'd reach over and instead of picking up my Bible, I picked up my phone and I opened up version, and there are all those wonderful notifications. And instead of camping out with the Lord and wanting to know what he thinks, I was like, oh, somebody's telling me what they think. I better find out what they think. And I cut it short. So what I'm saying is let us, before we interact with the world, interact with the one who made the world, who holds the world securely in the palm of his hand um, and holds us there as well, because our worlds can spin out of control, both because we're moms, but also because we're so privy to how screwed up, messed up, upside down, everything is right now online. Let's protect our mind. Let's wash our mind in the word, wash our mind in the blood of Christ before we try to understand the world each day. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. 
To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in Scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to His Word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September & Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? Were there any surprising results of your fast, Wendy? You've mentioned some of the things that you were hoping to see. Were, were there any things that really took you by surprise that you weren't expecting, but were a natural and maybe really positive byproduct of it? Yes. Um, you know, when we do the sugar fast, I know that this isn't about the sugar fast, but it's, it's so hard to talk about the social media fast and not compare the two. Um, but when you fast from sugar, there are headaches, you know, it, you might get really grumpy, get those sugar flu symptoms as you're detoxing. My experience personally for the social media fast has been very different. I have not struggled emotionally or physically in any way. As a matter of fact, I experience even in the days leading up to the social media fast, so much joy and anticipation to get my life back, to get my priorities back on track. And um, I, this is going to sound so silly. I don't care. I even walk different when I'm doing the fast. Like there's like a skip, a skip in my step, like... And I've been trying to analyze the why. <laughs> and I think it's because my hands are empty. I'm not holding anything. I'm just walking and my arms are moving by my side. And I'm just more, I'm looking up. I'm seeing God's creation. I'm available to him. I'm available to others. I'm not uh, looking to what other people are doing, thinking, saying, posting, or responding to me. I'm just available. And what an instant relief. This isn't like I made it to day 40 and I realized I was so much more rested. No, I'm talking day one, even the day before I get excited. Day before I'm reaching out to friends saying, hey, I'm going to have time for my real life friends because I'm not going to be so focused on my online friends. You want to get together? Hey, you know how we've been talking about doing a walk? Let's go for a walk this afternoon. And then you send a text to that couple. Hey, we've been talking about doing a double date and I have been so busy. Let's put something on the schedule or a couple of somethings on the schedule for the weeks to come. And I get excited. I, I get excited and I, I haven't been the only one. That's really what I've heard. Now I get testimony saying, oh my goodness, Wendy, I picked up my phone 40 times today, minimum, forgetting that I wasn't using it. But what a relief to find that I had taken those apps off my phone and I didn't have that option. So all my only option was to be present in my real life because I wasn't distracted by everybody else's lives. My daughter came home from camp a couple summers ago. She works at a Christian camp in the summer and her first experience there, she came home, not having really a smartphone herself, but witnessing all of her friends having to turn in their smartphones to the office. Everybody who works there has to turn in their phones. And while that's a little obnoxious for us parents who are trying to reach our kids from time to time, she said, mom, at the end of the summer, everybody was saying, wow, what a relief it was 
to yes. not have to be manhandled by my phone all mm. the live long day. It was so refreshing. And for these teenagers to acknowledge just the life-giving um, emotions and even just like you were mentioning, how it improves their physical health. The fact that they were able to acknowledge that was really telling to her, who at the time really didn't have a smartphone. So she she wasn't privy to some of those um, refreshing moments, but she saw it from a distance and that really stuck with her. Yeah, that's, that is wonderful. I, I love the idea of doing this with your teens. Um, there isn't anything in the devotions in the book that are not um, good for a teen to read. So if this was something you wanted to do with them or encourage your, your teenage daughter to grab some of her real life friends and say, let's do this together. And then in the midst of doing this, let's plan so many fun things that we do in real life that we don't share with anybody. We're not even going to post about it. And maybe a couple of moms and their daughters all want to do it together and, um, you know, just make it even an annual thing that you do together. What would you say to the person who feels like social media or smartphones or digital devices, fill in the blank, is just really the distraction of today and that every generation has a distraction? It's, it might not be social media, but it might be something else. What would you say to that person? Is it really, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and, and what I'm taking away from, from what you're saying is that it's really less about the actual social media and more about like, where are we putting our focus? Right. Is it on the one who commands our attention or should command yeah. our attention? Um, what I hear you saying, uh, first of all, your, your actual question was, it's this today, it's something else tomorrow. What do you have to say about that? And I would say, just like I do with triggers, if you can pinpoint the problem then address the problem. It doesn't matter what's coming or what was. In this moment, if there is anything holding you back from an intimate relationship with Christ and the real life blessings he's put in your house, wouldn't you be willing to set it down and invest undistracted in those relationships for the next 40 days? So yeah, maybe it'll be something else tomorrow. But right now it's this. Take the details to the Lord. And then in a decade from now, when it's something else, take those details to the Lord and say, I want to set those down, God, because I don't want anything. A.W. Tozer said that um, my enemy is whatever keeps me from my Bible, whatever, however harmless it may appear to be. So right now it's this. That's fine. Here's, here's what I really hear you asking me, though, Jamie. You're saying what I hear so many others say, but is it bad? But is social media bad? But is sugar bad? But is shopping bad? But is dating, you know, one person after another, after another, after another bad? Do I really need to set whatever it is that I'm running to down? And my answer to that is no, social media isn't bad at being social media and sugar isn't bad at sweetening your muffins. But if we're turning to it to be something more than an additive, than a blessing, if we are learning to, to turn to it in such a way that it is the blessing of our lives as though it is our God, then that's not good. And so I think of the story in Isaiah where the man cuts down a tree and he takes that wood and he starts a fire. And with the fire, he warms his food because my goodness, isn't wood really good at making a fire and warming our food? 
And then he warms his body by the fire and isn't wood really good? It's useful. I would use the word useful to keep us warm. And then he takes the rest of that wood and with it, he carves an idol. And I suggest that wood is not good at being God. It cannot hear our prayers. It cannot change our lives. It cannot give us intimacy or relief from pain but it is good at warming us. So it's very useful unless you're asking it to do something that it's not its job to do. And then I would say it is useless. And that's how I feel about our phones. If you are turning to it to connect with your Bible study and make sure you're picking up your kid at their soccer practice at the right time and sharing some fun highlights with, with your with your friends and your family and you're keeping a digital scrapbook and you're making sure your mother-in-law feels you know connected with what's going on in the kids lives it's very useful how wonderful and maybe you have a friend and you guys used to always play scrabble in college and now you do words with friends and it's wonderful it's useful but when you turn to it to be more than a way to connect it will become such a connection that you are disconnected with the one who can be God, who should be God, the only God in your life. So if you need to get your phone off his throne, then I say fast for the next 40 days and intimately, purposefully turn to him and make yourself available, not only to him, but those who are around you. Don't let the ones you like, quote unquote, like get in between you and the one who you love, who loves you and who gave you real life people to love in an intimate way. Yeah. So if, if it's not the phone for you, it might be something else. So the, I think the point that Wendy is trying to make is what have we put in God's place? What has become the idols in our lives? And for so many of us, we have to admit it's probably social media and our phones. Yeah. Somehow a screen. I mean, we, in the pages of the social media fast and the sugar fast for that matter, I say, okay, let's start again. The sugar is just the door through which we invite God into our lives. He says, thanks for the sugar, but I want it all. So social media, yeah, we're starting with social media, but during those days we say, what else is it? I mean, is it, is it romance novels? Is it shopping? Is it coffee? Is coffee our main source of power? Maybe we don't need to just unplug our phone. Maybe we need to unplug our coffee maker for 40 days. I know some of you are gasping right now. Well, I'm definitely not doing this fast. As I drink my coffee right in front of you. <laughs> but the point is, it's not about social media. It's about being social with the Lord. So what is it that's getting in between us and the one we love who loves us? You know, Wendy, I think we can all agree social media can be a time suck and lead to approval addiction, among many other things. But are there any benefits to social media? I mean, how can we as moms leverage it for good and even for kingdom use? Can we? Yes. Great question. Well, I'm those listening to this podcast, just so you know, um, we actually have our videos on as well as when we're doing this. So I'm looking at Kate when she asks me this question and I'm looking at her and I want to say, Kate, without social media, I wouldn't know That's you. True. And I think you are delightful. And because of it, you and I have now been together, I think two mm -hmm. times face-to-face. -face. I've been with September face-to-face -face at a conference. Um, Jamie and I haven't had that joy yet, but I hope one day we do. There are really wonderful benefits yeah. of being connected with like-minded um, women. I'm, I feel like I'm speaking mostly to women here. So um, I felt growing up like an oddball. Um, I have loved Jesus so much and with so much 
passion. I've loved his word and clung to it since I was, I would say about 12 years old. And um, by the time I got to high school, I didn't know anybody else like me. And college, I didn't know anybody else like me. And even my young adult and young married life, I had a hard time finding mentors because it was hard to find women who, who were older than I was, who knew the word and loved the word more than I did. Um, so this may seem like a, a, a Wendy show here, how I'm talking, but I'm circling back to your question. When I started ministering online and getting to know people online, I found people like me and it deeply, deeply ministered to me. I did not feel so alone. I found Bible teachers and, and wives and mothers and homeschooling families who, who could lead me by example. And I was thrilled that I wasn't the only one that loved God and loved my family and looked to God's word to give me direction for my days. But I don't want to depend on them so much that I stop loving my family and looking to God's word, you know, but that I'm living dependent on them spoon feeding me and, and being my main source of connection. So I say, no, again, social media isn't bad. It's useful, but it's useless if it ends up taking God's place in my life. Right. It's not about the social media per se, because social media is just a tool. It's how we're using it and how we're letting it affect our lives. And if we are allowing it to take the place of God and his voice in our life. So you've said that the the goal of the fast wasn't necessarily to give up social media altogether because, you know, you're still on it. I'm still on it. But how has the fast changed the way you participate on social media platforms in general? And I'm and hoping you can specifically address those of us who do yes. do online work, who rely yeah. on social media for our living and for our messaging. I'm so glad you asked that. I actually meant to address this the last time you were talking about how you do your social media before your, your Bible study. So I'm glad you circled back to this. Um, there are apps that you can use to schedule your morning posts. You don't need to be up and be making sure you're connecting with people first thing in the morning. I have my first post go live at 6 a.m. on the East Coast every day. I don't even create my graphics anymore. What I do is I put together a Google Doc. And now if you work or you run your church's um, maybe social media account, or you you just want to have, um, maybe, maybe you post every morning your reading in the Bible for the day and you've got it all outlined. Well, yeah, outline it, make your graphics. Today is Genesis one through Genesis three. And every morning at four or five or six or eight o'clock, it goes live and you say, this is what I'm reading this morning um, before I open up the myself up to the World Wide Web. I'm going to open up the word. Here's what I'm reading today. And you or whatever it is that you want to. I'm just giving an example. But whatever it is, however you connect with people, prepare those ahead of time. So I have a Google Doc. I do all of my posts for a month. And I send them off to a virtual assistant. But before that, I used to make them all myself, but I would lay it all out and schedule them out. And then that way, I'm not waking up thinking I need to engage online. So it takes a lot of intentionality, but it sounds as if it's really worth it. Yeah. If we want God to have our attention, 
and our affection, it's going to take some intention. It doesn't happen by accident. I'm talking if there were phones or no phones, that stuff just doesn't happen by accident. We have to be intentional to give God our first fruits, our hearts, our eyes, our minds, right? And we want to model that for our children as well. So before we close today, Wendy, I'm wondering if a mom reads the 40-day social media fast, what do you hope will be the biggest takeaway for her? What one nugget do you hope remains after that 40 days is done? Sure. Um, well, more important than the, than the book is doing it. My book is there as a resource to you to walk you through those 40 days. But one of the main messages in the book, really for the first week or so we focus on this, is look up. I mean, as I say, look up, don't you even just kind of sit up a little straighter? We're bowed down constantly, but not praying. We're bowed down over our screens. So let's look up. Let's, let's stand up straight. Let's lift our eyes. Let's lift our heads. Let's see God at work in creation. So often I'll, I'll see a sunset and I grab my phone and I take a picture and I share it to social media, hashtag the heavens declare the glory of God, hashtag isn't he awesome, hashtag creator, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. And as I'm writing that long list of hashtags, the sky is turning from pink to purple to magenta to peach and then black. I think we miss much when we share much. We miss much of what God is doing all around us. And so as you put your phone down, lift your eyes up. And I think that that's the main takeaway is I want to live with my eyes up, God. I want to see you at work in the sunset. I want to see you at work in my family life. I want to see you in your word. I want to see you. So let's put our distractions away and really dive deep into a devoted life. Eyes up on on the, the mountains from where our help comes from. Like my friend I was telling you about who I had met and who had deleted all her social media apps, you might be contemplating a complete social media purge. But perhaps that feels a bit dramatic. Maybe like the moms here on the podcast, your work or ministry takes place on social media. And so total abandonment isn't an option. But perhaps a 40-day fast is just what you need to restore your mental health, quiet the distractions, and return to the sweet, sweet fellowship with the one who, as Wendy says in her book, deserves your complete devotion. Thank you so much for joining us today, Wendy. This has just been so delightful and very convicting. I'm so glad to have been here. Thank you. You've given us all so many great thoughts to chew on that will help us as we evaluate how much time and attention we give to our phones. And thank you, Mama, for listening in. Ironically, you were probably doing it through a podcast app on your phone, <laughs> but we trust that these last few minutes were worthwhile and not wasteful. If so, we'd love for you to leave us a rating or review over on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It takes only a minute and is a great way to spread the word about generational gospel-centered mothering to other women who could really use some encouragement.